Hey everyone, this is Jaron Hollis with the Believer's Church. I'm so happy that you're here today. I want to thank you for tuning in and listening to this message. I pray that it inspires you, it challenges you, and it helps you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy. Good morning, Believer's Church. Wasn't that a life-giving worship set? Amen. Started out praising, ended up worshiping. It's the way it ought to be in the kingdom. Amen. Great, great, great liberty in the house today. Um, the 915 just about wore me out. And I'm talking about the audience. They were preaching me. They were like, come on. And so we're going to ask you to be a responsive crowd today. Not because I need it. I've already had all the response I need today. And the truth is, I've been doing this so long, I could probably preach in a library without one amen. But uh, the amen is for you. The yes, I agree, is for you. All right? Uh, The title of my message today is called New Things. Everybody say, New Things. God wants to do a new thing in your life. And the thing that I must do is challenge you to stir yourself. Um, I'm going to tell a story that happened here a number of years ago, many years ago now. Lisa Goodwin, who was leading the choir today, um, but normally stands up here in the front and sings uh, in the mic. She was leading today, and I'm so thankful for her. But I go back about 23 years ago, and I brought a preacher in from Texas and he was just a big old tall cowboy, and he wore cowboy boots on the stage, and I found that very refreshing. I grew up in Texas, uh, born in Texas, raised in Oklahoma, and so he came in, and he, was, he literally operated as a prophet of God. And I'll never forget that he handed Richard Goodwin a um, piece of paper that said, Will Worship for a Miracle. He actually handed that out to about 10 people that, that day, and so... It was a Sunday, and he's preaching on God doing things, but us having right now faith. And I'm going to preach on that today. It's kind of where I'm going. But he turned to Richard Goodwin, and and he didn't know Richard. He just had handed him. And he said, God is about to do a great life-changing miracle in your life, in your family. But are you willing to worship before you know what God is going to do? Many of us don't have a problem shouting when the touchdown happens. But a lot of us have an issue with giving thanks in advance or in faith for what God is about to do. Nudge your neighbor and say, he's about to do some stuff. All right? He's about to do some stuff. We had great altar call I was beginning to wonder if we were even going to be able to let out on time for you guys to get in the building. You probably saw their cars leaving as you were coming in. And um, so anyway, Richard, the, the, this man of God looked at Richard and said, are you willing to shout before you know what the miracle is? <clears throat> I'll never forget Richard stood up. He was right here on the front row. He stood up and he began to spin and worship and love God. Just if you know Richard Goodwin, he, he is not a big shouter, but on that Sunday, he really gave God his best, and I knew he was giving God his best, and I I was, I teared up a little bit, 
Six days later, you may have heard the story. It was in the news. One of the worst accidents, I think, that had happened on the Gene Snyder. People were killed. There was right not too far from here on the Gene Snyder. Lisa Goodwin was driving, and she pulled up to traffic. It was just a parking lot, and she was the last car. And she's looking ahead, and there's a wreck up, up ahead. And she's just sitting in her car right behind another car. And she looks up in her rearview mirror and sees an 18-wheeler coming at her at 65 miles an hour. And she keeps looking up in the rearview mirror, and she's like, this guy's not stopping, this guy's not stopping. And to make a long story short, Lisa was hit at 65 miles an hour. She's sitting still. The diesel 18-wheeler <clears throat> hit her at 65 miles an hour. It, the, the impact was so violent that it literally broke the seat that she was sitting in. So picture the, the, the seat back that you rest on on the way home. That literally collapsed, and it became like a stretcher. It actually became a slide. And she slid completely out of her seatbelt, out of the seat, and went through the back window of the car. That's how hard she was hit. It, she went through the back window as the car was spinning in the air. I mean, when he hit her, she hit the person in front of her. And then her car lifted up, was spinning in the air. It threw her out the back window. And when she came to, she was face down in the grass. And I believe, if I've got my story right, she was between some pretty big rocks that she could have hit, would have killed her, but she, she had a mouthful of grass. She was laying there, and when she came to, she came to, to the man that was in the car in front of her. That man was screaming while burning to death. I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm not trying to gross you out. I just want you to understand how powerful this miracle was. She went through the back window of the car and ended up, I, I got the phone call, raced to the hospital, just expecting to see all kinds of devastation, walked in. She had a little dried blood, I believe, on your face, Lisa. You had a little dried blood on your face. You had a scratch somewhere. I don't, did they have to sew you up at all? A few stitches? Is that what it was? Other than that, there was nothing wrong with her. It was a miracle from the Almighty God. And, and without me going into exhaustive details, over the next weeks and months, there was a settlement that, that the trucking company had to make with Lisa and Richard, and that took them out of their low-paying jobs, put them through college. They entered into high-paying jobs, and their lives have never been the same. And, uh, but my point is, listen to me, my point is, is God did exactly what he said he would do, but it was in direct proportion to how he responded to the word. <clears throat> I need you to get that. Because I have seen people miss miracles because they chose not to respond. So my challenge for you today is this. I believe with all of my heart I'm about to give a right now word for somebody in this house. The question is, is will you own it? Will you receive it as a word for you? And I'm going to explain why it may be a challenge for you to receive the word today. But I'm asking you to believe because I believe with all of my heart, I'm not trying to hype you, but I believe that there are miracles, signs, and wonders in this house today. <clears throat> According to your faith. 
Let's look at the New Living Translation, Isaiah 43, verses 15 through 19. And again, new things is the title of my message. New things. Isaiah 43 and 15. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. How many of you remember when Israel was in slavery for 400 years and they went through the Red Sea on dry ground? I called forth the mighty army of Egypt and with all its chariots and horses, I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candlestick. I love the next part. But forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. So, so that is my text that God is about to do a new thing. And I'm talking about you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he means you. Here's the backdrop. Are you ready? The timing of this word to Israel, uh, Isaiah's writing to the children of Israel came at a very bleak period of their history. They are again in captivity. They have lost everything. They've lost everything that they thought they would keep forever, and they were homesick for the land and the blessing God had promised them. In order for them to embrace the new thing, God needs them to change their focus. Stop looking behind at what I've done and start looking ahead at what I'm about to do. <clears throat> and I'm telling you that the miracle that's here in the house today, the deliverance that's in the house today, is I need some of you to let go of who you've been and realize that this is the day the Lord hath made. <clears throat> <clears throat> let, me, let me just tell you that as I traveled all over the United States as an evangelist, and we saw many miracles, I could start talking about miracles right here, right now, healings, deliverances, miracles, uh, I could start talking about them and talk till two or three in the afternoon, I won't do that, I realize I'm standing between you and lunch, it's a very dangerous place to be, so I'm not going to talk for the next three or four hours about miracles, but I could, and that's not a boastful thing. But let, let me tell you this, I, I, I learned early on that if we were going to have miracles in revival, somebody had to say, yes, I'm a candidate. Somebody had to agree with the spoken word. Somebody had to take the challenge and say, I'm ready, ready, ready right now. So... God needed them to change their focus and stop looking behind, start looking ahead. Again, verse 18 said, God said, forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Think about this. He drowns an entire army in the Red Sea, and he says, that's nothing. Don't even think about that. You just thought, you just thought I was being an impressive God when I drowned. And in the army that had you for 400 years, and I snuffed them out with a few waves, no big deal. 
I don't, I don't even want you to be excited about that anymore. I know you've been rejoicing over that for years, but I need you to forget it because what's coming is bigger than that. Here's my challenge right now. Some of you are wearing the been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I know everything God could do. Oh, no, you don't. You're not even close. I want you to know that whatever God has done in your life is just a warm-up act. If you're continually looking behind, you cannot see where you're going. If you're going to come out of that valley, you must look to the high places. If you're ever going to move on to new things in Christ, you must learn that you cannot depend upon past victories to sustain you. Yesterday's manna is maggot infested. You have no business eating yesterday's bread. His mercy is new every morning. We serve a God that likes new stuff. And he's doing a new thing. Can I get an amen from somebody? Is there anybody here that will accept a new miracle for you and your family today? Is there anybody here that says, Pastor, I got up, I got dressed, I came to church. It might as well be me. Go ahead and preach that God wants to bless me, God wants to anoint me, and God wants to bring me out. You go ahead, Pastor. You get a little woolly bully. I'm with you today in Jesus' name. Stop depending on your past victories. Forget the former things. When the well of yesterday's blessings no longer nourishes you, you must look for the river that's forming right in front of you. I thank God for the well you can reach back into. But there comes a time in your walk with God. And this is not the meanness of God. This is not the indifference of God. When your past blessings stop blessing you, it's a sign that God's got something new. When, 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 when that little thing you used to shout over and dance over doesn't quite do it for you anymore, you just need to understand God's taken away the anointing out of that because he's got something new he wants to do in your life. He doesn't want you to be a stale Christian. He doesn't want you to be a moldy Christian. He doesn't want you to be a has-been Christian. He wants to show up in the right here, right now. He's the great I am, not the great I was, not the great I will be. He's the great I am. And he, he, and he, and he gets weary with the I was thing. You see, the children of Israel had many victories in the past. God brought them out of Egypt. They conquered the land of Canaan. They fought prospective conquerors and survived, and then they survived a split in their country. God did miracle after miracle. But now they are in captivity again, and all their previous victories were doing nothing to set them free. What do you do when your testimony doesn't work anymore? What do you do? So they're in captivity. The previous victories aren't working. They needed a new work. They needed a new miracle. They needed a new victory. The question isn't what has God done. The question must be what is God doing in your life right now? <clears throat> Man, I'm telling you, the new things that broke out at the end of our first service was amazing to me. 
I watched God do incredible thing after incredible thing. But, but what, I, what I had to do was convince somebody that they need to let go of yesterday and get their hand open and be ready for a fresh blessing. And I'm telling you that today is a good day to be selfish at Believer's Church. What are you saying, Pastor? I know, listen, many of you come here and thank God for all the people that serve at Believers and you're here early and you serve, serve, serve. But I'm here to tell you that today would be a good day to say this word is for me and if nobody else wants it, I'll take it. If nobody else wants it, I'll take it. Can I be strong for just one moment and say something that I think is pretty conclusive? If you don't get some right now faith, I cannot help you. I just can't. If you're sitting there going, well, I showed up, but this must be for somebody else. I don't know who this is for. Lean over to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you, Lulu. What is it that you want God to do in your life right now? Let me ask that again. What, what is it that you want God to do in your life right now? If you're looking at the canvas at your, of your imagination and it's blank, and you say, well, I really don't know what I want him to do right now. That means your right now faith is weak. You should be believing God for something. Can I go one step further than that? You should believe God for something so big that it makes your knees knock. That it shakes you up a little bit. Don't, don't, don't serve a Mickey Mouse God. Serve a mighty God. Are you with me? Are you with me? <clears throat> Challenge your faith and, and say, I want to believe God for great things. Secondly, in order to move on to new things in Christ, you must make up your mind that you cannot allow your past failures to possess you. I'm talking to somebody here today, and i got to get this out of the way because they're, they're, not only are there people that need to challenge their face, but, but there's people that need to face their past and say, it's all done. It's all over with. Don't allow your past failures to possess you. Do not dwell on the past. Someone shout, you don't own me. You're talking to your past. You understand that, right? You don't own me. You know, I, I don't care about my pedigree. I don't care about my past. I don't care what my parents did. I don't care what my grandparents did. That's not who I am, and that's not what God's going to do for me. It's not, it's not my pedigree that matters. It's not, it's not the color of my skin that matters. It's not my past that matters. This is a brand new day. His mercy is new every morning, and I've risen up and come to the house of God, and if there's a new mercy and a new meaning and a new miracle, I want it today in Jesus' name. I want it in my life. I need to remind you that the word of the Lord came when the children of Israel had failed God miserably. Turn to someone and tell them, get over yourself. Let me just give you their track record. Are you ready? Because you need to understand when this word showed up. I'm showing you, I'm grabbing a moment in history and showing you when God showed up and said, remember when I did all this and all this and all this, forget it, I'm doing a new thing. Here's where they were. He had blessed them with good things and they returned to him evil things. God gave them a temple and they gave him idol worship. God gave them the truth and they lived and proclaimed a lie. God gave them his commands, and they lived like those commands were suggestions. 
God gave them wealth and they used it to abuse the poor. God gave them himself and they gave him an old rugged cross. This is the crowd that God is speaking to. The children of Israel did not deserve to receive anything from God. So get it out of your mind right now that I'm only preaching to the people that deserve a new thing. The children of Israel did not deserve to receive anything from God. Yet he still loved them and he earnestly wanted to help them change. So he sent them a word. Kind of like what he's doing right here, right now. He's sending someone a word. Here's the truth. If I believe with all my heart, if Richard Goodwin would not have responded to that word that that preacher gave him, Lisa probably would have died on the highway that day. She would have been nothing more than a memory. Their, their, their children would have never been born. He would have suffered through a great tragedy, no telling where he would be today. But thank God he responded to that word at that moment, at that time. He did not let that opportunity pass him. <clears throat> it's no different today. He's sending you a word right now, and you had better get ready. Can I say that again? You had better get ready. Again, turn to your neighbor and say, he means you. He doesn't mean everybody else in the building. He means you. You need to get ready. There could be a right now word for you, a right now breakthrough for you, a right now miracle for you. You know, <clears throat> who are you talking to, pastor? I don't know. But even a blind squirrel finds an acorn every now and then. Who are you talking to today, Pastor? I have not a clue who I'm talking to, but even a broke clock is right twice a day. I do know this. I've got a word from somebody. I just don't know who you are. Because you see, it's not the word going out that is in question. It's the soil that it falls in. <clears throat> well, what do you mean by that? I'm asking the question, are, is your soil prepared and are you ready? Will you receive the word? I want to remind you that there was a teenage girl named Mary that was 14 years old. Somebody says, well, he's only talking to the adults in the room. Ah, uh, come on, help me here. There was a 14-year-old girl, and the angel of the Lord came down to her, and, and, and the, the, the most important yes ever spoken in the history of the world. You hear what I'm saying. The most important yes ever spoken in the history of the world came through the lips of a teenage girl. The angel said, the Spirit of God's going to overshadow you and without ever being with a man, you're going to have a child and he's going to be God manifest in the flesh. And that little teenage girl said, okay. She said, be it unto me as thou hast spoken. What we need right now is a special anointing to come over this crowd. I'm telling you, that there... God is ready to show up and God is ready to show off. The world is in trouble and God needs a whole lot of people that says, yes, I'm ready for my next big thing and I'm ready for God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I've seen it come out of many services just like this. You say, Pastor, you're, you're doing a fine job. I know you're hyping us. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, no, I'm not. It's, it's a right now word, and it needs a right now response. Remember what God said, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. And, and the problem with that is 
Christians get comfortable with yesterday's miracles. I've heard people say, if he never does another thing for me, I'm going to live for him the rest of my life. God bless you, camels. I'm glad you can get a drink and go for months and months and months and months and months. Not me. You going to bless somebody today, God? Here I am. Hey, can I preach to myself for just a moment? Hey, God, if none of these people want it, I'll take it all. Can I be selfish just for a moment? God, if if you've got 10 that are going to reject their miracles, would you give me those 10? Am I talking to somebody here today? Am I, am I talking to somebody that, that, that's ready to belly up to the bar and get out of my way? And you say, oh, pastor, you're preaching I should be selfish. Yes, I am. Right here, right now. I'm telling you, get over that and say, you know, don't sit there and be pirates and say, well, let somebody else. No, no, no. You have no idea how much you might need what God's got for you today. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You have no idea what God can move out of the way. You have no idea what miracle God can perform. What if today is just like it was 23 years ago when that preacher looked at Richard and said, will you worship for a miracle? And he started shouting and dancing. What if there's something within the next six to ten days that's going to turn your world completely around and take you out of the desert and put you in the mighty flow of the river of the almighty God? Is there anybody under the sound of my voice that's tired of being bored in the kingdom of God? You need for the spirit realm to be unzipped. You need for the invisible God to show himself mighty. You need for God to show up and say, hey, I personally love you and I personally want to bless you. I know I'm dating myself. And I'm telling you, this has to be the Holy Ghost because I couldn't remember this kid's name to save my life. But welcome back, Cotter. Yeah, thank you. 10% of you laughed. You're the only ones that know it. I know it's a poor example, but so this must be for the welcome back, Cotter crowd. Teacher at the front of the class got a question, and Arnold Horshack. This is how come I know it's God? How in the world did I pull Arnold Horshack out of a memory of 35 years ago? Anybody remember Arnold? That's what we need right now in this house. There's a whole bunch of God's got him. I wouldn't care how stupid it looked. I wouldn't care how corny it looked. I wouldn't care. I know your buddy may sit on the end of the pew going, who let the dogs out? I wouldn't care. I want you to understand that God was not condemning them for their past and they could do nothing to change their past. And God, instead, God was holding out the hand of hope. He's saying, I'm ready. You understand, he came to them in a tremendous dilemma and said, hey, I got an idea. I got a brand new blessing for you. But I need for you to forget all the stuff I've ever done for you 
Because it's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. Oh, pastor, God's done some big things for me. See, that's your problem. You thought what God's done for you in the past. <laughs> I'll never forget one day. I, was, I wish I could remember exactly what it was, but I was praying, and God answered the prayer, and I went, oh, and he said, Randy, you're easily entertained, aren't you? <laughs> Does, it doesn't take much to entertain you. He is in effect saying, forget about your past. I'm giving you an opportunity to start over. Somebody needs to hear that word right here, right now. You need to listen to me. God's got a do-over anointing for you. And there's somebody here that needs it. You, you Hear me right now. You, you don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm stalling on purpose. I don't know who you are, but you've been thinking about giving up. I'm not blaming you for your weakness. I don't know what you've been through. And even if I did know, I wouldn't judge you for it. I'm not missing this. I, I, you know what, it, does, I, it doesn't matter to me whether you believe me or not. I have felt the breath of God like this before, and I have had the word of knowledge move on me on many occasions. I'm not trying to validate myself, but I'm telling you, I know that you're here, and I know that you've been thinking about giving up. But right while you're thinking about giving up, he's up there going, I'm ready to do something brand new in your life. I may not get to the end of my message like I did in the first service, and it doesn't really matter because all that matters is that you're here, and I know you're here, and I know he's ready. You're ready to give up, and you know what? He's got you right where he wants you. Because you're not going to sit there and tell him what you think you need or how you think you need to be blessed. You're, I'm talking to somebody that's saying, I'll just take anything today. Even the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. That's, that's, the kind, that's where you're at. You're like, Pastor, I'll take a, is there anybody here that says, Pastor, I'll take a crumb. I'll take a crumb today. It doesn't matter. I'm so hungry for a supernatural move of God in my There's a do-over anointing on you. 
Isaiah 55, 7 says, let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, he will freely pardon. Now, let me help you understand that real quickly. It's one thing to be forgiven. It's totally another thing to be pardoned. What are you talking about? Well, let's say that you did something and you ended up in jail for two or three years. And I'm, obviously I'm not speaking to everybody in the building, but just hear the story. You've been in jail two or three years and then they finally call you back into court and say, you have served your sentence and you are forgiven. Thank you for paying your debt to society. Right? So you leave and you go to apply for a job and they say, where have you been for the last three years? And you go, well, uh, mm, I've, been, I've been in the pen. I need you to hear this. I've, 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 been in the, I've been in the pen the last three years. That's why I haven't had a job. Well, we can't hire you. But let's stop that for a moment. And you served your sentence and something happened. And the judge calls you in and says, you've, you've paid your debt. Matter of fact, here's, here's what we found out. We found out you might not even been guilty. So we're not just going to forgive you. We're going to pardon you. Stay with me. That means we're going to expunge your record. That means you never have to tell a soul that you ever served a day in prison. That, that means that you're able to just, when you fill out an application, whatever, what, we are never going to reveal that you were ever in the pen. You're not only forgiven, you're pardoned. And what I'm trying to tell somebody is that the pardoning God is in the house today. So you got to get over whatever you've been through. It doesn't matter. Listen to this preacher. Today is your day to leave it all behind. You cannot live on yesterday's faith. A number of years ago, I pastored a man, and he, he was stuck in the past. I'd go up to him and say, how you doing? He'd say, okay. If I gave him this much space, he would start rehearsing. He would hit rewind and rehearse all of the problems he had had in the past. So one Sunday, I picked up the phone. I mean, one day I picked up the phone, and it was him on the other end, and he said, Pastor, do you have time to talk with me? And I knew, I knew him. I love, I, I love him to this day. I love that man. But, but I knew he was going to rehearse the past. So I said, hey, why don't you meet me <clears throat> downtown at the river? I lived in a river town at the time. Was pastoring a very small church. I started it in my living room. And, and he was one of my members. I said, meet me downtown. And they had this beautiful drawbridge in Stillwater, Minnesota. And, and it was summertime. And I said, meet me downtown in the park. So he came and I said, hey, come on. He walked up and he was ready to start right away. He, he had his finger on replay and he was getting ready to start. I said, wait a minute, don't. I said, let's walk out here on the bridge. So we walked out on the bridge, beautiful draw bridge, beautiful day. And, and one of the prettiest Clearwater rivers in America, St. Croix River. And, and so we're, I lean on the rail looking down river. I lean on the rail and say, okay, go ahead. So this guy starts in, well, when I was young, this happened to me, and then this happened to me, and then the, and, and he, I just let him talk. I, I heard it all before. He'd hit replay, and he was trying to explain to me why life wasn't getting better, and I'm just leaning on the rail listening, and I let him talk for about 20 minutes, and I finally said, hey, hey, I, I got a question for you, and he said, what? I said, 
We've been standing here about 20 minutes, right? He said, yeah. And I said, the, the, the river was probably a quarter mile wide right there and uh, 10 foot deep. And I said, man, don't you think a lot of water has flowed under the bridge since you started talking? He said, yeah. And I said, let's take a guess. How, how many gallons of water do you think went under this bridge while you were talking? He said, man, Pastor, I don't know, millions of gallons. I said, yeah, millions of gallons have gone under this bridge while you were talking. I said, now I've got another question. How hard would it be for us to run down river, catch all that water, bring it back up underneath the bridge, and let it go under again? He said, oh, that's impossible. I said, you're exactly right. Your past is water under the bridge. Let it go. <clears throat> So I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but your past is water under the bridge. And you can't do anything about your past. So God says, forget about your past. Let's start right here. Let's start right now. And let's see what I want to do for your life. I want you to raise your hands right now over this house. Father, our old faith is not sufficient enough to deliver us from present problems. God, we need a new faith and we need a new vision. God, we, we need to start getting excited about what you're ready to do. I'm asking you, God, to stir up the gift that is in everybody in this house. God, let there be a resounding question that settles over this house right here, right now. And if, this, if they can't answer this question, then my preaching is in vain. Put up the next slide, please. Where is your faith? This is kind of set up like, like your gas gauge on your car. Ten would be full and one would be you need to get to the gas station. And this is a faith meter that I made up while I was preaching this message. I saw this in my mind's eye. Is your faith in what God has done? Is your faith in what God is doing? Or is your faith in what God will do? <clears throat> and if your faith is only in what God has done, and I know I'm walking out of camera range, but if your faith is only in what God has done, you're running on fumes. And this is why God says, forget about what I've done completely. And I need, you to, I need you to take a deep breath right here, right now. Let me breathe on you the breath of life. Let me give you a brand new anointing. Say, oh, I understand why Pastor Randy is the pastor of this church. He's perpetually excited about God. Not true. Oh, he just naturally lives for God, and he's always got an encouraging word for us. You have no idea how many times I suck my thumb. You have, can I just reason with you for a few minutes? You, you have no idea. Listen, I have a custom-made pity party hat at home. I've got a little corner that I can go set in, sweetheart, that looks like a shrine. You think I'm kidding. I'm not. God didn't touch me. I'm not the energizer bunny. 
There he is. Let him go. No, no, no. I've walked into this church so empty and so broken at times that my knees literally knock when I go to the pulpit. And I've gone back to my office and I've said, God, if you don't help me, it's going to be a colossal failure today. If you don't put a fresh anointing on me, I've gone and begged God to help me and help me get over my past, help me, help me forget stupid things that I've done. You know, it's one thing to stand here and talk about miracle after miracle after miracle. But you wouldn't even be here if I told you how many times I've been stupid. You wouldn't. You, you wouldn't be here if I got up and started saying, oh, me. You, would, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't, how are you? Oh, how much time do you have? You, you wouldn't be here. I, I know that. I'm not stupid. You know, I, if I'm not careful, the gift of complaining can come all over me. That's when I know I need to go to God and say, I need a fresh word. I need a, a, a new something in my life. I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. I'm, I'm going to ask, how are we doing on time? Oh, wow, I'm over. I'm over. See, I've already let you down. I'm preaching too long. Renee, come to the piano. They'll think I'm done. <clears throat> I've told this story before, but please let me tell it again. I, I, I was in one of my thumb-sucking moments. Is that okay for me to be real like this? Look, if you're looking for the perfect pastor, you're in the wrong house. But here's what I've come to tell you. If God can use me, he can use you. That's what I've come to tell you. Yeah. If, 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 God, if God can take an ordinary guy that came from a very broken family, how broken was your family? Well, my mom married four times. I've had 17 brothers and sisters. I know what it's like to play musical chest of drawers. Some of you didn't even know that was a game. Honey, I'm getting married to another man. He's got three kids. Take all your stuff out of that one drawer and move it over here. Oh, okay, Mom. Only to have six or seven months a year go by and say, okay, you can move your stuff back in that drawer. Thanks, Mom. So I was in a, a thumb-sucking moment. I, I, was, I was questioning everything. And, and a beautiful black couple, they were in ministry here Leslie Hester and his wife Juanita, they came and knocked on my door, my office door one morning, about 20 minutes before church, and, and I opened up the door, and he said, Pastor, can we come in and talk? And I said, okay. And so, man, I am just, I am just feeling like I am not doing good as a pastor. I am not doing good in my walk with God. I'm making some really bad decisions. I, I just, you know, I'm honking my horn too much on the highway. And I feel like I've almost totally disqualified myself to even go out and, and preach to the congregation Sunday morning. And they walk into my office. I close the door. And he says, honey, tell him. And she's looking. Her, her lips are trembling. And I, he said, go ahead, honey. Tell pastor about the dream that you've had four nights in a row. Her lips are shaking. 
He said, Pastor, my wife has had a dream. And he said, Juanita, tell him. So she's tears started flowing. And she said, Pastor, I've been having a dream. And in the dream, on the side door, she pointed to this one. In my office, on the side door, she said there were people lined up at the door, four people wide. It went down the driveway, up to outer loop, down outer loop, four people wide, all the way to Jefferson Mall, which is about four miles. And and said these people were holding white tickets in their hand, and and God allowed me to fly over the top of the crowd, and I got down by Jefferson Mall, and I saw people that were in the back of the crowd walking up through the line and saying, if anybody will trade tickets with me and give me a lower number, I'll give you $1,000. I've got to get in that church as fast as I can. She said, and then, Pastor, I brought back to the church, and she said, on this door right here, that one right there, she said there were people lined up four wide. It went down. It went all the way down to Smyrna Road. It turned and went all the way down Smyrna Road, all the way to a street called Cooper Chapel, and then it turned left and went all the way down to McNeely Park. And she said, in that, she said there were people holding white tickets and she said I was watching the people in McNeely Park walking toward Believer's Church waving their tickets and saying I'll give anybody a thousand dollars if you'll trade a lower number ticket with me because I got to get in that church you still with me are you still with me she said pastor then I'm caught up and I'm at the airport And there's tour buses parked at the airport picking people up. And there are lines at the airport, Pastor, going all the way back to the TSA. There are lines in the airport, and the people are four wide in the lines, and they're holding up white tickets and saying, they're coming to the front and saying, I'll give you $1,000 if you'll give me a lower number ticket and let me get on the bus before you. i got to get to that church. And she said, Pastor, the glory of God was all over the building, the love of God, the power of God, the delivering power, the miracle signs and wonders. And people were coming from all over, not just the country, but all over the earth to come to believers. And she said, I hope you believe me. I've had that. And she's trembling. She said, I've had that dream four nights in a row. And, and, and I'm listening to her, and I said, thank you so much. It was time to come out. Service had started. And, and so I opened the door, and they walked out, and they walked in front of me. I wished I could do this without getting out a camera shot. But I came around that corner, and I'm walking down here, and I've always sat right here on this front row, still do today. And as I'm walking past a young man, I'm walking past him, and his name is Ryan Jansen. And Ryan, good-looking kid, very quiet, And he's sitting on the second row. And as I'm walking past him, he reaches out and says, Excuse me, Pastor. Now, the song service has already started. Worship. And most people know, don't bother Pastor while he's worshiping. And he says, Excuse me, Pastor. I know know worship's already started, but I think I need to tell you something. And I said, Okay, Ryan, what is it? And I leaned over. He said, Well, I had this dream last night. I said, Okay, Ryan. Now, 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 Leslie and Juanita had already walked up and sat somewhere in the congregation. I looked at Ryan. I said, Yes, Ryan. What do you need to tell me? He said, Well, I had a dream last night, Pastor. And he said, There were people lined up outside this door. 
And he said they were about four or five wide, and it went all the way down, and, uh, and then all the way. And, and, and he said, and then, Pastor, on the other side of the church, there was another line, and it went all the way down to Smyrna and went that way and went all the way to McNeely Park. And he looked at me and said, Pastor, does that mean anything to you? How, how can I explain what it means to have God breathe on you like that? What do I have to say today to get you to believe? I don't know who you are. You're thinking about giving up. I know that much about you. You're thinking about giving up and never going back to church again. God says, forget the past. I'm doing a brand new thing. I, I need you to stand right now. If you're willing to let the past go, if you stand right now all over the house, everybody stand, please. If you're willing to let the past go, If you're ready for a brand new anointing and you're ready for a brand new miracle, whatever the new thing is God's ready to do for your life, would you come down? You say, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't want to live in yesterday's blessing. I'm ready for something brand new. Pastor, you've been speaking to me today. I, I want you to come down. I have no earthly idea what he's going to show you. I have no earthly idea how it's going to come. I have no way. Just keep coming. I need you to squeeze in as much as you can. Pastor, I, I just want God to do for me. This is okay. Come on, keep coming. Now, can I tell you as much as I love you, but far more than I love you, God loves you. Here's what I want you to do I want you to raise your hands. Look at how I'm doing it. Make your hands a funnel. I want you to lift your voice toward, I mean your face toward heaven. You can close your eyes if you want to, but I want you to be ready to receive. Here they are, God. They've stepped out in faith in spite of their circumstances, in spite of their trials, in spite of the devastation that's either in their life, in their home, in their finances. It doesn't matter what it is, God. In spite of all the doubt and the fear, here they stand and they're ready for a new thing. I want you to right now all over this house, and I I want you to do this. Please stay with me. You're not going to be alone. I can guarantee you that. I want you to lift your voice and say out loud, Yes, God, I receive. I want you to just remember what I'm saying. Yes, God, I receive. I'm going to count to three, and I want us to all do it together. Ready? One, two, three. Yes, God, I receive. Do it again. Yes, God, I receive. Do it again. Yes, God, I receive. One more time. Yes, God, I receive. Just wait. Wait right where you're at. Wait right where you're at. Keep your hands raised. Begin to speak his name. Begin to speak his name. Come on. All over the house. Out loud. Speak his name. 
I receive it, Jesus. I receive it, Jesus. I accept the new thing over my life. I accept it right now. I know that the tide is turning. I know that you're doing something that only you can do. I am making a way where there is no way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.